I was dying laughing. I, I had to leave the conversation because our little dog, I'd locked him upstairs in our bedroom and he was frantically scratching at the door. Oh. I thought there might have been something wrong with him. So I opened up the door and here he was. He had one of Carrie's brassiers wrapped around his neck. <laughs> I was hanging off of the back of the doorknob and he was all stuck in it. <laughs> and i was dying laughing i was i said i don't know if i should tell this one on the air or not <laughs> the poor little bugger oh, almost geez. hung himself oh, <laughs> poor little fella poor little guy <laughs> well don't don't you usually put a put a scarf around him <laughs> you know you, you could just trade the scarf Oh, yeah. Yeah, because this would be his new scarf. Yeah, that would be great. His new his winter sweater. His new harness. <laughs> oh, we get dear. some looks going for walks around town oh, with that God. harness on. <laughs> He's looking at us right now, too, like yeah. giving us a real dirty look. Oh, yeah. I, I know. I've got a couple of cats that like to do the same thing. He's about the same speed as your cat. He's an arsehole. Hi, it's John O'Shea. Welcome to the Johnny O Show, a presentation of Drive On Media. Yes, we've officially changed the name of the podcast to the Johnny O Show. And on today's episode, we're going to have a visit with Carrie Underhill and Scott McRae. They are the duo known as Rock and Roll Cowgirl. And a bit of an interesting fact, they were the very first act that I booked on the 99 Through the River Summer Deck Series back a few years ago and speaking of the johnny o show i want to send out a big thanks to jamie alexander of down river music festival for creating the logo for the johnny o show appreciate that very much uh, jamie thank you so much for that and you can go to drive on media on facebook to have a look at that uh, logo that jamie created as well the theme music that you hear is a big thanks to jason berry of Barytone Studios, uh, who uh, relocated his uh, studio from Ontario to the Miramichi, back to his hometown, and they're doing some great work for East Coast musicians. You can always subscribe to Drive On Media on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the website driveon.podbean.com. Once again, that's driveon.podbean.com. It's time for the Johnny O Show with Carrie Underhill and Scott McCrae. This is episode number seven. It's episode number seven of the Johnny O Show brought to you by Drive On Media. And with me is the first act that I ever booked on the 99 Through the River Summer Deck Series. I'm even scared to try to figure out how long ago that was. Uh, But it's great to have Carrie Underhill and Scott McRae, known as Rock and Roll Cowgirl. Hi, John. Hi, John. How are you? Great. How are you doing? Yeah, we're doing great. Good, good. 
and uh, great to uh, talk to you guys. It's it's been a while since uh, since I've seen both of you, and uh, you know it's uh, it's been a while since we had that first show on the deck. Uh, I'm going to say that must be about what six years ago, maybe. I'm guessing it's four or five years ago. Actually, five years ago because we just had our five year anniversary of our first gig, which was on May the. 27 27 five years ago so i would say we were probably on the deck show that summer okay five years ago back uh 2016 yes it's hard to believe it's gone by that quickly i can't even believe it myself (laughs) yeah and you know it was great to have you guys on again i think uh uh just a few years ago as well and i i always remember the story about uh was it your niece wanting to hear uh jolene was it three times Oh, yes. We were playing at a pub one night and she was maybe two years old because she's three, but she's only four now. So anyway, she was two or three years old and uh, we had already played Jolene once, I think, by the time she had gotten there. And then she requested it two or three (laughs) times and we indulged her a couple of times. And then finally we decided, okay, we're going to sing another song. And she threw the biggest fit that you'd ever seen. She screeched and yelled and jumped up and down. It was hilarious. Everyone in the bar was laughing. So finally, we had to sing it again. And then they took her home. Yeah, because she was starting to steal the show. We had to get her out of there. (laughs) Yeah, you you know what they say about performing with dogs and kids and how they always steal the show? Well, it's true. (laughs) Exactly. Well, Carrie, let's let's start with you. Of course, um, proud Miramichier. You know, music is uh, strong in your family, especially with your older brother John Underhill. Much, much older. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Where did you pick up the the music uh, bug? Well, it all started back home in Burnetville. My parents loved music, and all of my siblings loved music, and. Uh, It all started from my grandmother, who actually passed away, Esther Underhill. She passed away before I was even born, but she had taught all the rest of them to play piano and sing. They sang in concerts all over the place, up in Blackville. They sang in concerts down in the Rapids. They were kind of like the mini Rankin family, but they were the Underhills. So my father, too, he loved music and had a, a great collection of music, all kinds of records and eight tracks and I can remember sitting in the dining room is where he had the stereo and I would sit in there and listen to more old songs Conway Twitty and Ronnie Millsap and then my sisters had their collection there too so they were a little bit different they had branched off into the Eagles and things like that Mm -hmm. but I can remember sitting for hours and hours and hours listening to 45 records that was in the living room like every different room in the house had some kind of a musical playing device. And I even remember I was obsessed with this old 45 record, a Jim Reeves record, if you can imagine. Wow. And there was an old song called Old Tide. Do you remember that song or did you ever hear that song? No, I don't think so. It was amazing because it was this really good story. And I was so intrigued by the story. It was about this soldier who had come back from the war and he met his old dog when he got off the bus and the dog led him home safely. There had been a washout on the road or something. When he got home, they told him that the dog had actually passed away like years ago. So I was always fascinated with that song. And and then once I went to school, I joined the school choir mm-hmm. and I took violin lessons. And I do remember one time, this is kind of a funny story. I was about four years old and I could remember my family would get me to sing if anyone came over. And you'd never believe what they had this four-year-old child sitting up on the counter singing. The rodeo song? Nope. <laughs> Daydreams about night things. Oh, my goodness. 
And they found that very entertaining and humorous. And I had no idea why, but I'd sing it for anyone who came over. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing when you're a kid. The same thing happened to me, you know. I, I'm listening to all these songs. Dad had the greatest hits collection of uh, Ronnie Millsap, so I know that you know that album well, and that song that you're talking about. And it's a great song. Yeah, I was seven or eight years old. You know, great melody and everything. <laughs> had no idea what the words were. And then I remember one time when I was in the school choir, we tried to convince our choir teachers to let us perform "Who's Cheating Who." And we couldn't understand for the life of us why they wouldn't let this they wouldn't let this little elementary school choir. We were probably grade three or four. Why they wouldn't let us sing "Who's Cheating Who"? (laughs) Oh, it's yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Come on. No, especially for an elementary school child. You're, of course, you're referring to the original version by Charlie McLean. Exactly. Alan Jackson hadn't even dreamt of singing it at that time. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Not many people would have known that, Carrie. <laughs> no, I'm I'm way back. Just because my siblings and parents were so much older than, than I was, you know, I had this old vintage music around. Sounds like a great collection. Oh, it was such a great variety. Like, Dad even had the Tijuana Brass. Like, he had such an assortment of music. Engelbert Humperdinck. Um, Willie Nelson, like you name it, they they had it there with this great record collection. And then, of course, 8-Tracks. Well, yes. And I I think 8-Tracks is probably the, the musical type that gladly went away. Yeah, those were pretty cumbersome. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Especially in a car stereo. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, you couldn't put the 45 in the car, so that was kind of the, the next best thing until uh, cassette tapes came along, but... We act, we actually had a car uh, with an eight track in it, and then we we uh, found an adapter that you could put in to jam a cassette in it. Oh yes, I remember so that those. That was a game changer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was, it's kind of like the uh, uh, nowadays when you don't um, you know CD player, but now you can still use them with your phone if you don't have Bluetooth. You yeah. get the cassette adapter with a wire that comes out and, <laughs> into your headphone jack. So, Pretty cool. <laughs> technology. I'm, I'm telling you, you got to love technology. So, Carrie, even though the uh, teacher wouldn't let you uh, let your choir sing Who's Cheating Who, um, <laughs> where, where did you go from there singing? Well, from there, I started singing in local beauty pageants, of course, and at the variety okay. show at the Catholic Hall in Blackville. Um, I made a couple of uh, performances there. Um, one time it was really funny. I was probably grade 10 or 11. I sang, um, oh, I forget the name of that song now, but I had three background singers. It's by Kylie oh, wow. Minogue. You know the song by Kylie Minogue. Oh, yes. <laughs> I can't think of the name right now, but we had costumes, background singers, and we sang, oh, the locomotion. How could I forget the locomotion? Okay, yes, yes. And the background singers sang their part and did a little dance and... And then I was in Miss Miramichi and sang in that and, and got to perform okay. on talent night of Miss Miramichi. And, and then when I moved to British Columbia, I got involved in musical theater. Okay. And so I did. Now, this part of you, I have, you know, I, I had no idea about your younger days, but I did not realize that you moved to uh, British Columbia. Oh, yes. I had lots of adventures, Johnny O. i moved to british columbia after university and uh joined the penticton light opera society if you can imagine wow that sounds uh 
you know, kind of high class. It was, it was really cool. It was good. Inter- it was really good um, education for me. I had a, a vocal coach and she was the director of this opera society. So she asked me to join and uh, the people that had the lead roles were actually retired professionals who had moved there from, you know, Vancouver and different places because um, I was in Penticton, which is kind of like the California of Canada, where, okay. where peaches grow on trees and cherries and all kinds of things. <laughs> it's a gorgeous spot if you've never been. Um, and anyway, so that was really good training to do the uh, Light Opera Society. Nice. And uh, after that, it was a lot of karaoke in the back lots once I moved back home. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> a lot of Shania Twain karaoke in the back lots with Kelsey and Jack. Ah. Uh, and then singing at weddings. Okay, so I didn't realize that either. Oh, yes. So you were popular on the wedding circuit. Well, just with a few friends and uh, a few acquaintances. I didn't do that professionally, just for friends. When, when asked. Yes. So from, and I'm assuming from then, from that point, you uh, went to St. John. Yeah, there were a few places in between there, but then I came to St. John. And uh, well, before that, I had gone to Nashville. And when I went down to Nashville and I saw all the different people singing everywhere, I thought, well, I can do this. Okay. Let's, before you get into that too deeply, (laughs) why, what was the reason you went to Nashville? Oh, I got invited on a trip with some friends and I said, yes. So a big group of us went down there and we rented a house and we went and we saw everything in Nashville. We went to every bar and saw every singer, you know, like the local people that are doing the Nashville circuit, you know, downtown. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. so much talent so, everywhere. This, this was like a uh, vacation trip? A vacation trip that inspired me to come home and say, that's it. I've waited too long. You know, I should have done this earlier, but why not try it now? And mm. then I met Scott and the rest is history. <laughs> All right, so Carrie, let's let's uh, move over to Scott now for for a moment, and we'll find out about uh, Scott McRae and 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 Scott. You know, like I all that I know of you is you know your 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 time with Carrie uh, performing. Uh, why don't you tell us how you got started? Well, I got started, John. Uh, same as Carrie, I came from a musical family. Uh, my dad and my uncles and a cousin always played and sang, and they always had some sort of a family band undergo, underway kind of thing. And they always rehearsed mm-hmm. at our house. And as, as far back as I can remember, uh, there was always drums, bass, guitar, piano, banjo. There was always something laying around our basement. So we had the option to play with you know, Tonka trucks or GI Joes, or we could go make a racket on our choice of instrument. So uh, we, my brother and I both uh, uh, picked up multi-instruments uh, along the way and kind of grew up nice. jamming in the, in the family band, getting drugged to legions and bingo halls underage and playing bass <laughs> and drums and acoustic guitar alongside a dad and our uncles and his buddies kind of thing. And, to the point where, you know, we got, you know, got our own instruments for Christmas and when we were like in grade six and seven and, you know, and then hit high school and it was like in grade 10, went to a variety show and we saw a grade 12 band playing uh, Johnny Be Good and Born to Be Wild. And I said, well, that's it. This is what I want to <laughs> <Yeah>. do. And it just kind <laughs> of exploded from there. And I just participated in a lot of, Variety shows and 
battle of the bands and that kind of stuff here in St. John and just kind of till I got of age uh, to be able to start playing bars. And I, as long as I can remember, I've always played, uh, played in a, in a rock band in a bar on the weekends kind of thing. And I did a bit of traveling with it. I went out West one summer and played with a group in Vancouver, just a cover band. And we just kind of ping ponged all over Vancouver and Alberta. And, uh, Actually, at that time, I'd switched over to bass, so I, I became a, a pretty decent bass player, and uh, okay. that was my main instrument for 25 years, and I did very little singing. I, just, I played bass and did a lot of the technical setup for the bands I was in, and uh, it was something I never really aspired to do was to sing and play guitar. I just kind of liked being that guy. Uh, standing in the background playing my bass and holding the rhythm down with the band kind of thing and singing the odd gang vocal here and there. And and it kind of wasn't until I'd met Carrie uh, that we unhatched Rock and Roll Cowgirl by accident. Okay. <laughs> it was literally by accident. <laughs> I was always told I couldn't. I was always told I couldn't sing by my my old bandmates. I, I wasn't allowed to have a mic. <laughs> I was never really encur- I was never very really encouraged uh, to do so. <laughs> well, that's that. That doesn't sound like that was very nice of them. <laughs> okay, so let's. So that kind of gets us caught up to the point where uh, you guys met. So let's talk about that. How did you guys meet? Well, funny story, um, along the way of me being part of uh, playing music all my life, uh, in and out of theaters and clubs and stuff like that, I, I became a professional uh, theater and concert uh, technician, uh, film technician, and I've been working in uh, concert theater and film my whole entire life. And uh, nice. I was organi- I organized the, uh, the stage crew, uh, and the roadies down at Harbor Station in St. John uh, since the building opened in 1993. And we had Dean Brody uh, coming through to Harbor Station for the first time. And uh, I had to organize a crew like I always did, but he had a pretty big crew call. And I was a little shorthanded. So uh, Facebook was great for that. Like I put out ads looking for people to come and work. Well, yes. uh, Carrie answered my ad to come <laughs> and help set up Dean Brody. And she said, oh, yeah, I just cut back from Nashville, and I know all these people that do that kind of thing, and I really want to learn the music business, and I'd really like to come down and help out. But I'm a grade three teacher, so I can't come during the day. Is there <laughs> any way I can come at night? And I said, well, most of the work's done by the time you're done work, so – and I said, I don't think I can use you. And she goes, oh, you know, I really, really, really would like to come. Can I just, like, come down and have a little tour or something? I said, yeah, okay. I said, uh, come and meet me. And I told her a time. And, of course, I was curious who this person was. So I uh, I creeped her on Facebook. And uh, I found this beautiful young blonde girl. Uh, there she was. And I said, I can't bring her down to do that kind of work. <laughs> my guys won't get anything done. They'll just be oogling over her the whole entire time. Right. So, you know, yeah. so anyhow, uh, I invited her down and, and uh, we hit it right off. And it just so happened that uh, a friend of mine uh, was 
um, uh, Brody's uh, uh, touring lighting guy, and I asked him if I could get okay. a couple of tickets for the show, and he did, and he said he got me tickets for us uh, like fourth row center. So anyway, I took mm-hmm. her in and gave her a tour, and we uh, watched the show together, and and that's kind of where we're at now. <laughs> And the really wow. funny, the really funny part about that, John, is as soon as I walked in backstage with Scott, who comes strolling mm-hmm. down the hallway but Jason Barry, and it's like, hey, Jason, <laughs> hey, Carrie, how's it going? So we had the little reunion. I introduced him to Scott and everything. So then at least Scott knew that I was legitimate and that I wasn't, you know, telling him a tale that I knew Jason and that I you know, liked yeah. music. And well, that's that's pretty cool. I I did not realize that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> But luckily, uh, after that, he's hired me for a lot of shows. <laughs> well, okay, let's let's talk about one show in particular that I was at. Scott, I, I'm, I'm assuming this is the same show that as we were walking out, I saw you getting ready to uh, go up in the rafters there. You had all the safety harnesses and the helmet on. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was in Moncton at the Brad Paisley show. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Now, Carrie, you've got a real good story about that concert. Oh, I have several really good stories about that concert. So I worked, I worked the St. John show, um, and then we went to Moncton with them. But the day of the St. John show, the worst blizzard in history hit this city. It was absolutely insane. <laughs> but I had my brand new Toyota Tacoma 4x4. And so my job mm-hmm. was to drive the bus drivers to the hotel. Right. So luckily the hotel was about two blocks from Harbor Station because it was storming so bad. So I fill my bus with all of these uh, bus drivers, Brad Paisley's mm-hmm. bus drivers, and three in the back, one in the front, <laughs> and I had heated seats. Ah. And uh, so we went back and forth all day a few times and whatnot, and then there was another driver as well, and, and I said, all these bus drivers are, are fighting to come with me in my truck. I said, I think they really like the heated seats because, you know, it's cold and they're not used to the cold and whatnot. And yeah. Scott, tell them what, what the other driver said. The other driver said, Carrie, they don't give a damn about your heated seats. They're enamored with you. <laughs> <laughs> enamored. Enamored. They're enamored, enamored. with you. We've been, we've been laughing about that ever since. Can I look that up in the yeah. dictionary? Enamored. Yeah enamored <laughs> and so then can i keep, tell you a few more stories about this particular uh, concert because a lot of things happened please keep going so then at one point in the afternoon um brad paisley's manager gets in the truck with me and he says okay when brad gets here he likes to go visit all the liquor stores because he collects liquor like brandy brandy from local <laughs> local places every city he goes to so I get him in the truck. We drive all around town. We plan out where we're going. He's like, okay, you need to be on standby for him. Okay. Oh, so I'm yeah. on standby dying because Brad Paisley's going to get in my truck and I'm waiting, <laughs> waiting. I'm like, just be calm because you cannot, you know, you cannot mm. be the crazy fan, the crazy fan. You have to be a professional <laughs> exactly. just like he's, you know, anybody. So, I'm waiting and waiting, and doesn't he go and get in the van with the other driver? And oh. the other driver comes back, and he says, some guy got in the back of the van with me, and he had a hat on. I, I think he's the guy that's singing tonight. He didn't even know. <laughs> he, he didn't was. even know. And I still oh had God. to I still had to stay calm and just say, oh, yes, mm-hmm, that's nice. <laughs> and inside, I was dying. So... Oh. Anyway, I'm backstage and Brad Paisley comes in and he's about six feet away from me, but 
you know, you can't even really look at him. You just stand there doing your job. And yeah. But inside, you're dying, wishing that he would come over and say, oh, hi, how are you? Because you can't approach them, right? You have to stay professional. And you can't right. take pictures or anything. Uh-oh. So that was really cool. But then so when he goes to get on the stage, I'm like, okay, great. I'm back here. I can just peek through the curtains and watch. Mm-hmm. Don't I get a call that I need to leave the venue and go to Walmart for a bus driver because he needed to fix a bus? <laughs> <laughs> so here I am at Walmart. With a bus driver getting a, a battery or something for the bus. Oh, it was just hilarious. Like, it was like a comedy of all these different things. <laughs> and anyway, so then at two in the morning when they had bus call, they had to leave. They were supposed to leave town, but they got snowed in. I had to go and pick them up, bring them back to their buses, etc. Then we ended up waiting and uh, we're driving to Moncton at 530 in the morning when it cleared a little bit. And don't we pass Brad Paisley's bus, but I had spent a bunch of time with his driver the day before, Brady. And like, we're blowing the horn, Brady's blowing the horn, (laughs) waving at us. I'm hanging out the window and it's just snow packed and crazy, slippery. Anyway, so we get to Moncton, same thing. I have to drive them to their hotels and you can imagine how crazy slippery it is. Here are all these bus drivers from down south telling me how to drive. It was hilarious. <laughs> it was just the. It was so fun, and Brad Paisley had this the nicest crew and the nicest people to work for. It was amazing. So I think it's a reflection of him if he had yeah. such a great crew. Like Absolutely. everyone was great. You know, and I'm I'm sure that you know the 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 status that Brad Paisley has and the amount of time that he's been in the business that. He's going to have, you know, if there's somebody that doesn't work out well on his team, uh, he's not going to be staying around. So you, you, yeah, exactly. you'd, have to, you'd have to believe that he's only going to have the people that really want to work with him and, and uh, you know, have the same kind of temperament as everybody else. Exactly. I actually yeah. still keep in touch with one of his drivers. Cool. That is yeah, cool. he's a really nice guy. And he's actually driving for the Marshall Tucker band now because so he – He's really good friends with those guys. Okay. The Marshall Tucker Band. Yeah. Like, what, what, geez, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, what do they get them out there's of? Prob- the- there's probably one original member, John, and the rest of them oh, are okay. all hired guns. <laughs> gotcha. That's I was going to say. That, that's usually how that works. <laughs> I was going to say, do they get them out of the, the old folks' home to get them on tour? <laughs> <or what? laughs> I'm glad you said it, and I didn't, because I don't want to offend anyone with any of my comments. No, definitely not. It's I'm just saying those guys have been around a long time. You, you know, you can't uh, you can't beat uh, heard it in the love song. That's that's a beauty for sure. Exactly. So you guys get together, and Scott, you mentioned that rock and roll cowgirl happened by accident. What what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, John. Uh, Carrie and I, when we both met, we were at uh, I guess we were at a point in our lives where we were we were both single and. And I had my place, and she was staying somewhere, and she'd come over and hang out at my place. And at the time, I didn't have a television or any form of entertainment. And uh, I didn't even own a guitar at that point. I was a bass player, and I owned five basses and a great big bass amp from the floor <laughs> to the ceiling. Oh, and uh, so anyway, she, she'd come over, and we'd listen to music. And, we, she, and she was right into the female country thing and i was a rock musician i did have a bit of a country background from my dad's band but for the most part for 25 years i'd been a rock musician 
And uh, so anyway, she she was playing these playing me these tunes. Oh, did you ever hear this one? She was kind of DJing in the living room kind of thing on her phone. And she says, well, I've got this guitar. I'm taking guitar lessons from a guy down the street. And I just got this guitar. And I said, oh, I'll bring it in. Let's have a look at it. So anyway, she brings in this this real pretty orange Epiphone songbird. And uh, I play it. And she starts playing me some of the tunes she likes. And I just start picking them up by ear. And I had played guitar when I was younger. And uh, I just started kind of strumming along. And Next thing you know, it like we picked out like I learned we learned like five songs in an evening just for something to do sitting around the the living room, and then it was like you know the next night we'd learn three or four more and three or four more and three or four more and a couple of months had gone by and here we had about forty or fifty songs learned. Wow! Just kind of sitting in the living room doing nothing, just you know just kind of getting to know one another and chatting and figuring out what kind of music we like and stuff and uh then it was funny a a guy we knew held a benefit for muscular dystrophy and uh he contacted me he says do do you know any acoustic duos or or solo acts he goes i got to fill a couple spots he said on this this uh uh you know telethon thing I'm, i'm raising money for and i said well you know something? I said, how long do you need me to play for? Or how long do you need to play for? And they said like 45 minutes. And I said, yeah, you know what? I said, uh, put me and my girlfriend, Carrie down. And he said, oh, okay. So anyway, I went and told Carrie, I said, guess what? We got our first gig <laughs> and we were, we were both terrified <laughs> and, uh, we went and played it and it just, it just snowballed after that. And literally like six weeks later we were playing, we had, you know, written a couple songs. We were on your deck series yeah like right after that and and just kind of and it's taken off since then and here we are like five years later wow that's that's amazing really yeah it is pretty cool like i said it was it wasn't anything i ever set out to do it just kind of happened by accident i said i'd always like to be able to play some tunes on the guitar and sit around the campfire kind of thing but i never i never dreamt i'd be standing up there you know singing singing with any someone else and and, and carrying a big load of the tunes and stuff like that, right? And singing yeah. background, a man, I feel like a woman. <laughs> <laughs> I always have a hard time introducing that one on the radio. <laughs> you know, it just it just sounds wrong. You know, that Shania Twain, man, I feel like a woman. It's like, oh Christ! You know, it just it just doesn't seem right. No, that's that's interesting. I, I never realized how you guys got started, but uh, what a great way to start! You know, helping out with a. Uh, you know, like a benefit like that. And uh, from this that point on, um, you know, you've obviously played other shows. Uh, so what kind of, you know, venues do you like to play, I guess, is what I'm trying to get out here. I like to play the Summer Deck Series. <laughs> <laughs> I also like to play any anywhere in Miramichi is fun to go up home and play. Mm-hmm. Pubs, restaurants, private parties are fun too. Is that right? Yeah. We did a, a surprise party the other night. It was really fun. Oh, nice. Um, benefits. We've done lots of benefits throughout the years. We just did a benefit in March Yeah. with mm-hmm. every musician in St. John. It was just phenomenal. It was a whole day. I think it was 12 to 12. Tw- yeah. 12 hour. 12 hour marathon of music. That was incredible. Nice. And it was for another musician Okay. Yeah. from here. So it made it really, really special. It was a benefit concert for him. 
we do a fair amount of community events too. Music in the park is fun. That's something that we do here. And in Hampton, they have the summer music series in the park and people come and bring their lawn chairs and sit around the park. So that's a really nice event as well. What was the event that, um, I remember you guys played it on the deck and it had to do with, uh, uh, an event with tourism. Does that ring a bell? And you debuted that song, um, the vacation song, you know, uh, or no, New Brunswick. Mexico or New Brunswick? <laughs> I think it's New. I think it's the New Brunswick song. Yeah, that's. Wasn't there some kind of a tourism event? We did. We played a showcase, like a, a mini showcase at the East Coast Music Awards. They had this unofficial. No, uh, it was like a no. It case. was a no case showcase. Okay, so that might be the one. We played that, that in a- Uptown St. John. And what was that about? That was just about a venue who was kind of excluded from uh, the East Coast Music Awards. So they kind of decided to do a parallel, do like a parallel thing, just kind of injunction because they wanted to be a part of it. So they got got a bunch of the participants to to play for an afternoon. And that's kind of where we debuted that song uh, to the public. And we also played it, you might be thinking up at Credles. On Canada Day, we we sang it there too, hmm. Credles Country Market, and that we played be. at their grand opening. It might have been that event that you're thinking of. That's kind of a tourist event. It's a a tourist location locally. I I may have been thinking of something that happened in Market Square. I'm not sure. Yep, that's the one at Market Square. Is the uh, it was the no case showcase? Okay, that was that's what it was. Apart <laughs> from the East Coast Music Awards. Yeah, that, you know, that's, that's tough when, uh, especially big events like that and, you know, can't, you know, they can't get everybody in there, but, uh, you know, especially where there's so much talent around, you know, it's, Hey, it's, uh, you know, if if you can come up with a way to showcase it somehow, might as well be a, a no case showcase. Yeah, Yeah. there is so much talent. And I think one silver lining of COVID is that a lot of people have discovered their talents and I really think um, this might sound like a grade three teacher, but I really think that every human being has some talent in some area. And we've seen it come out a lot during COVID. There's, you know, so mm-hmm. many people have posted things on social media, singing and creating artwork and all kinds of wonderful things. So there is a ton of talent in the Maritimes in in many ways. Yeah, absolutely. You, you would think that, you know, here we are about 14 months in and hopefully only two more months to go. Uh, that I would have learned a chord on the, my guitar, but you know what? It's still sitting in the stand, staring at me as I'm sitting here in the bunker. I hear <laughs> I you, my friend. I hear you. You're preaching yeah. to the choir. You are preaching there. to the choir. I have a collection <laughs> of guitars, and I live with a professional guitar player, and and I went to one of the best guitar teachers in this town, thinking it might rub off by osmosis, but no, yeah. you actually have to practice. <laughs> that's the thing isn't it that's the thing it's like well in and, and for me it's always you know time eh? and the, and uh you know i was even thinking on the weekend uh, like today i was thinking about what i did on the weekend it's like i i still wouldn't have had time to pick up the guitar so it's uh it's a nice uh ornament in my uh broadcast bunker here anyway <laughs> and you know what john it's it's my only regret in life is that i don't play an instrument mm. there's still time there's still time. Yeah. 
Here's yeah. the funny thing. I can remember my mother forcing me in grade three to take violin lessons. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to. I bawled and cried and fought her. And she bought me a violin. And she said, you are going. And I took violin lessons for four years. But then I got too cool. Right. And uh, oh, yeah. then I stopped playing violin. And I just really wish I had kept going with it. And yeah. so then I decided a few years ago I was going to try it again. I'm like, that's it. I must have a little bit of background. I took it for four years. This should come easily. So I signed up Long and McQuaid, taking official lessons on the violin. And uh, then my brother told me that you do not have enough years left on this planet to make that instrument sound good, Carrie. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. I think he was just joking, though, kind of. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> wink, wink. Jeez. Yeah, <laughs> oh, my God. But I had what already kind of abandoned say. it by then, so I really didn't let him sway me too much on that. But I'm still yeah. determined every time I hear an instrument, I'm like, I could play the mandolin. I can I can at least learn to play the cowbell. That's going to be my next adventure. <laughs> and recently, so during COVID, I bought a really nice Yamaha keyboard. I'm like, that's it. This is what I'm going to do while I'm locked down. And it was mm-hmm. coming along really well. I was taking lessons online and I was learning different things. And lo and behold, they sent us back to school. And I mm-hmm. haven't had time. <laughs> yeah. I haven't had time either. <laughs> Well, it, it is it is true. You do you do have to put the time in because, like I said, John, uh, before I met Carrie, I was like a serious bass player, and I hadn't looked at six string guitar in years. Mm-hmm. And I'm to this day, I'm still learning how to play that thing all over again. And uh, I I play the guts out of one or two of them a couple and hours a day. He practices yeah. daily for hours. Like he's cooking bacon at the stove with the guitar around his neck and i still need some more practice (laughs) (laughs) it's you know like i I tell you the first time that i really fell in love with an acoustic guitar and i make no you know uh, this is no um, uh, secret uh when i went to see reba mcintyre at the moncton coliseum i think it was the fall of 88 and steve warner uh, opened for her at that concert and he came out with an acoustic guitar. And you, you think of all the sound systems and, you know, getting ready for, you know, the electric guitars and drums and all this here. He comes out with an acoustic guitar and he fills the Coliseum with the sound of, you know, the, the, the acoustic strings. It's just beautiful. From that moment, I just fell in love with an acoustic guitar. Always wished I could play it. Um, but, you know, it's like somebody, Rick Reese said, uh, 10, 15 minutes a day. That's what you need to, you know, mm. to do. And, and, uh, you know, really I, I should be going for a walk every day for a half an hour. So I don't think I can spend 15 minutes playing a guitar when I should be going well, for just, a walk. But. You take the guitar for a walk, John. That's just put it on. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine the looks I get in downtown center Napa and walking <laughs> along the road with a guitar? They'd be calling the funny farm bus on me. <laughs> yeah. Just drop a little tip jar here while you're hip while you're at it, and they <laughs> yeah. stop and throw a couple loonies in there. Carrie, you know, you know what they would call me? They call me the new Tommy Stewart. Because <laughs> he was the only oh, guy that would ever walk around with a guitar. That's awesome. So, what? Any future plans for rock and roll, cowgirl? Uh, keep doing what you're doing, or? Any goals that you would like to see uh, in the future? Well, we were just discussing that the other day. Um, like when we first started out, 
we wrote a few songs and they, they just kind of flowed out pretty easily. And then we started, we started gigging really heavily. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, ideally we want, we want to be able to write and record an album. Sure. But it's like the whole work thing as a working musicians kind of taken over. And when the calendar starts filling up full of gigs and, yeah. and uh, you know, your job gets really busy. It's like, it's, you know, it's like, you know, like you say, it's trying to find that time to practice your guitar. It's, it's, it's sometimes gets hard to find the time to, uh, to sit down and get writing again. We just yeah. kind of fell into that, uh, you know, that working musician kind of deal where we're, always on the calendar and always, you know, learning new songs to play in public and that kind of thing. And and interestingly enough, the other night on the fifth anniversary of Rock and Roll Cowgirl, I was at the Imperial Theatre at this event, an incubator event where the Imperial Theatre invited local bands who had all original music to come and perform a concert there. So there mm-hmm. were two bands performing, all original music. It was absolutely amazing. And I thought then and there, like, I want to be able to put on a show like this with all original music. Yeah, that yeah. kind of sparked, re-sparked the interest in, in trying to sit back and write some stuff. Because like I said, when we first got together, it just kind of flowed out. And between Carrie and I and Carrie and a couple other co-writers, you know, we got like seven or eight originals. And then, then it just kind of petered out a little bit. So we hope to... Uh, Hope to get back on that bandwagon. You know, like you say, it's tough because, you know, you guys are doing, you know, like your day jobs, but then performing is like, uh, you know, the secondary job, but it's trying to, you know, you're trying to work two jobs, basically. Yeah, the second one's a labor of love, so. Exactly. Carrie, you know, we kind of missed about recording. You have recorded some songs. I have. I recorded two songs, one that I co-wrote with Rick Tiger and Dan Gallant called Evangeline, mm-hmm. and it's it's about the the Acadian story of Evangeline. Um, very different. There's already one that exists that's that's already written in French, but this um, is a beautiful version. And I did also write it in French, so there's two versions of it recorded. Actually, there's three versions. There's an English ver- version, a French version, and a bilingual version of okay. that song. Yeah. And I recorded another Rick Tiger song called Jesus and Jones. And then I had mm-hmm. made a fun recording of Girl Crush that I think played on Homebrew for quite a while. <laughs> and Scott and I had written this really cool song, and I don't even think we ever performed it on the deck series. And it's a, a song about our lives, and it's it, the story talks about keeping up with the Joneses and, and how mm-hmm. to have a good friend. And it's it's a really cool song, and it starts out – his version and describing his background and then my version. And it's, it's really funny because it says she grew up on the wrong side of the railroad tracks and, you know, in, in reference to where I grew up in such a teeny tiny little community on the wrong side of the tracks. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like, I'd like to record our few originals that we already have. I mean, mm. there are video recordings, but it'd be fun to get into a studio and get those recorded. I just happen to know a guy in the Miramichi that might be able to help you out with that, too. And that would definitely be a, a dream to go up there and record at Barry Tone Studios, for sure. He's got a great setup there, Jason Barry. I was just talking to him here a few weeks ago about the um, the Country Songwriters Challenge with uh, Music New Brunswick. 
and uh, he was saying he's actually busier now than he's ever been, even with the uh, the pandemic going on. So uh, that's amazing. Great for him to be able to come home, be with his family, and uh, be busy at the same time, which is great. That's awesome. So maybe there there will be something unique about the quality. You know that place in Alabama that it's by that river, Muscle Shoals. Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and and they talk about the mystique of the the river adding some quality to the musical sound that comes out of that studio. Have you seen that documentary? I have not. Muscle Shoals, Alabama. It's amazing. And and anyone they, they interview, they, they talk about this mystique and this quality of sound that comes out of the studio. And they said, well, maybe, you know, it's because of the river or something. So I'm, I'm wondering um, maybe that'll happen in the mystical, magical Miramichi. You never know. You never know. Let me ask you guys, you know, of course, you're musical. Um, Carrie, I'll start with you. Uh, your first, uh, what was your first concert and your first big concert? Like the, so your first concert, the first time you ever went somewhere to listen to somebody play. I'm going to have to say that that was probably a St. Patrick's concert in Blackville. Okay. And then my first big concert was Alabama at the Moncton Coliseum, probably in 1983. 83. Okay. I remember. I, I wasn't there, but I remember people going to it. Oh, it was absolutely amazing. When I came home, I joined the Alabama fan club mm-hmm. and I called the Alabama fan club to see when they were coming back. And my mother near killed me because she couldn't believe that I made a phone call to Alabama. <laughs> she talked about that the rest of her life is that she couldn't believe I was a little girl calling Alabama to see when they were coming back. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I was only about 10 years old. Is that right? Oh my goodness. That that's one group that I've never seen. Yeah, they're awesome. And they also took me, my parents took me to see Willie Nelson one time when oh, I was really cool. young. Yeah. Where was mm-hmm. that? I believe that was in Fredericton. After that, I went to see everybody, Alan Jackson, Faith Hill, Shania Twain. Oh, you saw Shania too? I saw her in 1998 in Kamloops, British Columbia. And I'll tell you, there's, here's a funny story about that. I was in line to get tickets and there was a huge lineup in front of me. And this lady in front of me backed up and she fell into this empty well, this empty uh, fountain that wasn't running yet. It didn't have any water in it. Like, a decorative okay. fountain out in front of the arena and she fell into that and it upset me so much and, and scared me so badly i left and didn't get my tickets but luckily oh. a friend of mine was calling also and got tickets through oh, the phone wow. <laughs> wow. i knew then i'd never be a paramedic or a nurse that's a horrible story dear <laughs> i know it just stuck with me that's though a horrible, horrible story <laughs> well the lady was okay <laughs> she got right up everything was fine it was just me <laughs> <laughs> that's good i was going to ask you what what happened to the uh to the lady but it's, i'm glad to hear that she's okay she probably got front row tickets <laughs> you never know you never know uh scott what about you what's what do you remember as your your first musical event and your first uh, big concert well probably my first musical events uh, we were really lucky as kids here growing up in St. John because we had the Market Square Boardwalk. Mm-hmm. And they started this event called the Battle of the Bands back in uh, probably the mid-80s, 83, 84, 85, where they would bring in, you know, all of the Maritime's best, like, bar talent 
to play for free outside on the stage. So I had seen all kinds of, uh, you know, maritime bar bands kind of thing, like, you know, like Razor nice. Boy and Drama and and uh, stuff like that. And then, uh, then they would bring, like, some Canadian talent. Like, we saw Glass Tiger and Kim Mitchell mm-hmm. and Haywire. We saw all those bands down oh, there, geez, like, yeah. all through high school. And then I guess my first arena concert uh, would have been, like, Rush or... Iron Maiden or someone like that that was playing at the at the uh, Monte Coliseum, so it was just something that I always, you know, for lack of better words, have been enamored with <laughs> <laughs> my whole life. So it was just kind of, you know, you know, that's just I just got into the concert industry, and that's that's kind of what I've been doing. So, and then when I worked at Harbor Station when it opened, like I've seen all kinds of world class sure. acts in there. You know, especially and it was fun when it first opened because we had all the great 90s country country mm-hmm. acts through there. It was phenomenal. Like everybody, there wasn't anybody yeah. that didn't make a stop in there from 93 to 2003 kind of thing. Even Garth wow. Brooks played St. John, New Brunswick. Yeah, That's, that was, yeah, one, that of, is hard that to was one of my first big, big productions that I worked on. And that would be big, too. Oh yeah, like he played. He was there for a full week, and he played like four days, four or five shows. Uh, yeah, that's 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 interesting. You know, some great opportunities for sure to see all kinds of shows uh, with your line of work. That's that's absolutely amazing. Got, got to uh, see see and meet even a few of them. So it's been a real exciting career, I guess you could say. He's also done all of the big shows at Magnetic Hill. Oh really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I've been a part of all of those as well. So you you had something to do with that big ugly thing that you two brought in? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was part of the rigging crew that built that stage. And so how did you get over your fear of heights if you ever had any? <laughs> I never had any, and I'll tell you when I when I first went in as uh, into the arena and started, you know, basically as a roadie unloading boxes and pushing stuff around. Uh, then I saw these guys going with ropes. And, uh, you know, mountain climbing harnesses. And mm. and uh, I really, at, when I first started, I really didn't have the whole concept of how an arena show went together kind of thing. So um, I seen them traveling up into the rafters and climbing over the air ducts and, yeah. and then dropping the ropes in. And I just said, well, what do those guys do? And they said, well, they're the high steel riggers. They pull up all the chains that... They hook the motors to that hoist the lights and and uh, sound. And I said, "Wow, that looks like a pretty cool job." I said, "How much does it pay?" And that was the highest scale paying gig as a laborer in the uh, business. I said, "I'm going to do that." <laughs> so I just <laughs> went and found someone that would train me, and uh, I threw on a harness and I just started climbing through the rafters. And Bob's your yes. uncle. That's my favorite place to be. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you couldn't pay me enough to do that. <laughs> no oh, way. I love it up there. I can't even get on the third step of a stepladder. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> I think she's faking that, John. She just doesn't want to get on the ladder. <laughs> I just don't want to change any light bulbs or batteries in the smoke alarm. Or put the star on the Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, this has been great to be able to really catch up with you and Carrie I, I really don't know how we met other than the fact that you know my sister for some reason well, I um, met your sister in Victoria BC 
Well, I'll tell you this. I'm pretty sure I got hired for that job because I went into the interview. So when I when I moved to Victoria, I didn't get a teaching job right away because it was mm-hmm. difficult to get a teaching job. So I just applied for anything. So it was the uh, Construction Association of Victoria. And I went in there and he said, it says on your resume, you're from Miramichi. And I said, that's mm-hmm. right. Do you know Miramichi? And he said, well, yes, I'm from New Brunswick. And one of my really good friends is from Miramichi. You're hired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. That's a good so way even to, the uh, Miramichi connection all the way out yeah. in Victoria, British Columbia. <laughs> far, I was Miramichi and out there. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't beat it, can you? Just can't beat it. You can't. You cannot. You know what, Carrie? I think it's time to... Uh, get you all signed up and ready to go for unapologetically country trivia are you ready i'm ready scott you're you're going to be the silent partner in this one all right okay copy so carrie i'm going to ask you five country music questions if you get it correct you get two points if you need a hint and you get it correct you get one point all right and keep in mind that uh, rick reese and ivan daigle have perfect scores of 10. Oh to, my gosh. Not to add any pressure to the to you, okay? That's a lot of pressure. So we're going to go with the category of 90s female country artists, okay? You That's might good. do you might do okay. <laughs> All right, let's see. So question number 1. Who had the 1991 hit with her debut single don't tell me what to do. Um, that was Pam Tillis. You are correct. You've got two Woo! points. Ding, ding, ding. There you go. That's how you do it. The uh, the hint. Now, just curious to see if you would have um, figured out uh, what the hint was. Her father had a number one hit in 1979 with Coca-Cola Cowboy. Would you have gotten um, it from that? I probably would not have known. Oh, yeah, you're the, the co. See, I have to sing it to, to go back in the archives <laughs> of my memory. Well, that's <laughs> if that helps, why not? All right, so you got two points. Here's question Perfect. number two. Who had the 1993 number one hit, Blame It On Your Heart? Patty Loveless. You got it right. Yes. (laughs) I had to close my eyes and go back and picture the the cover. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I'm telling you how my brain works now. (laughs) Now, do you you know how that line went in that song? Oh, yes. Blame it on your lying, cheating, cold, dead, beaten, two-time and double-dealing, clean, mistreating, double Oh, I screwed it up. <laughs> You're close. You're close. Is that yeah. out, John? It's yeah. blame it on your lying, cheating, cold, dead, beaten, two time, and double deal, and mean, mistreating, love and hurt. Ah, oh, I'm so close. Oh, you're so close. That, that's a tough one, though. Yeah, I'm sure. Like once you, you know, if you were singing it, you, it'd come right out. But uh, I think I would have to sing that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you're two for two. Oh, you. So here's question three. This female had a number one hit in 1993 with her debut single, Wild One. Who is it? Faith Hill! Oh my God. 
made that way too easy for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I had a real easy hint for you. Married to Tim McGraw. Oh, that's way too easy. I know. I was I was going to be too good to you. Plus, I follow right, them on Instagram. I know what they've had for supper. <laughs> 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 oh, jeez. Uh, you're a stalker. All right. So here's question four. <laughs> what Canadian female country artist had a debut hit in 1995 saying she would rather watch Donahue and change her guitar strings? Terry Clark. Bingo. You are four for four. You're oh, one away God. from tying Rick Reese and Ivan Daigle in unapologetically country trivia. Here's the last right. question. Which female singer has an obsession asking a question about boots? Shania Twain. You got her. Woo! I did it. We've got a perfect score, Carrie Unreal. Oh, I did did it for the women. <laughs> there you go. Congratulations. <laughs> now I have no Thank idea how I'm, gonna, how I'm gonna break this tie. I've got a three-way tie here, so I don't know how I'm how I'm going to uh, break that tie, but uh, uh, congratulations. Well Thank done. you so much. In grade three we do rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> <laughs> We could all get together and have a rock, paper, scissors tournament. <laughs> well, I, I was thinking that uh, it'd be cool if we could, uh, you know, get all, you know, all the people with perfect scores together somehow and, and have a runoff or something. You never know. Maybe we, we can Ooh. do that sometime. Well, Scott McRae, Carrie Underhill, this has been great. I appreciate uh, you uh, taking the time out of your day to uh, join me on the Johnny O Show. We're officially going with the Johnny O Show. I love and, it. It's uh, hilarious. It's been a lot of fun. You know, you gotta you gotta give credit to Rick Reese on that one. He suggested it, and I said, "Where were you last fall?" <laughs> yeah, we listened, we listened to that one. We listened to it. I liked how you were totally stumped. The Johnny O Show. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. It, Way to go, Rick. It's, <laughs> it's weird that you know I get thinking like you know, Ivan calls me that. You know, Patty Quinn calls me that. I don't know how many people, you know, call me Johnny O. And I just like, never dawned on me. So uh, I got to thank uh, Jamie Alexander for uh, coming up with the uh, uh, logo for that. So we'll, soon we'll yeah. be printing it on T-shirts and hats and, and doing awesome. great things. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, the logo's really nice. He did a great job. Yes. No, thank you to Jamie. Well, uh, Carrie and Scott, thank you so much for uh, doing this. And uh, all the best as we... Uh, get closer to green and uh, hopefully you guys will be able to uh, uh, be busy even more so uh, once uh, you know, we get that 75% of uh, uh, vaccine shots and, and uh, get back to somewhat normal. Absolutely. I can't wait. Thank you so much for inviting us. Thanks this was really fun. Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it, guys, and uh, can't wait to see you again soon. We'll see you soon. Take care. Thank you to Carrie Underhill and Scott McRae of Rock and Roll Cowgirl for being my guests in episode number seven of the Johnny O Show, a presentation of Drive On Media. A big thank you once again to Jamie Alexander of the Downriver Music Festival 
for designing the new logo for the Johnny O Show. And again, a thank you to Jason Berry of Berry Tone Studios for the theme music for this podcast. You can always subscribe to Drive On Media by going to Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify and just search for Drive On Media. And if you want to go directly to the website, it is driveon.podbean.com. Make sure you give the Facebook page Drive On Media a like and share that among your friends as well. I will talk to you next week for the next episode of The Johnny O Show, a presentation of Drive On Media.